0: You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Our question today is, what is discipleship? So if you ask five different Christians what it means to be a disciple, you might get five different answers, but this is a word that you hear all the time in the church. So we want to talk about what discipleship is and how it actually plays out at CCC. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and then Zach Wyrock and Stacy Donardo, other members of our leadership team. Our question for today is, what is discipleship? So discipleship, if you've been around the church for any length of the time, is a word you've probably heard. Uh, there might be a lot of different ways that people define what it means to be a disciple. So that's kind of our starting point for today. What does discipleship actually mean, and then how does it play out at? At CCC,
1: well, those of us who grew up in church, Mm -hmm. uh, tell me what when you grew up in church, what did the word discipleship mean? Bible studies. Yep, that's that's yeah. Yep,
2: intensive Bible studies.
0: Yes, lots of reading the Bible, making sure you do your devotions every morning.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I think biblically understood, to be a disciple is to become more and more like the one you know who you are following. You know, So to be a disciple of Jesus is to be more and more like Jesus, to see the world G- the way Jesus sees it, to believe the things Jesus believed. I think that's what he means in Matthew 28 when he says, go and make disciples, and he kind of unpacks it a little bit and says, baptize them, teach them all the things that I have commanded you, and you know, I'm with you uh, as you go. So I think Jesus is saying, hey, tell them who I am and what I am about and what I want from them. So a handy definition is to be a disciple of Jesus is to be committed to becoming more and more like Him. Of course, unpacking that is what leads to, I think, the nuts and bolts of discipleship.
1: Yeah, I think there's an awful lot of um, people in the Christian world and probably in our church that still see discipleship a lot the way we just said it just like, studying the Bible, and you know, we were talking before we started recording, uh, if, if I'm an apprentice for a plumber, learning about plumbing is part of the apprenticeship apprenticeship process. Uh, the, the master plumber may give me a manual and just say, you need to know this, but there's a purpose for knowing the manual, and it's going to be doing what doing a plumber does, yep. right? And so I think that's what, Zach, that's what you're saying is that there— the Bible always serves a purpose, and the Bible—the Bible's purpose is not just to know the Bible. The Bible's purpose is to make us more like Jesus and join the mission of Jesus. So what does that look like? As we look at, at our church and our people uh, as leaders of our church, what do we feel like is the, are the missing ingredients uh, that are the most common missing ingredients in being a disciple?
2: Well, I, something I was just thinking about with in reading Scripture, so I'm not sure I'll hit exactly to that yet, but, you know, I was reading the other day and realized that I was reading some passages and just looking at them through a lens that was affirming what I wanted to see in it instead of allowing it to actually challenge and change me, which that same passage could have done. Um, and so I think one thing, as we are reading the Bible, if it's not challenging and changing us and convicting us at times, then we are probably not actually reading it to... Be more like Jesus. Right, right. <laughs> so, but that that might be one of those things that we would say we need people, we see that people would need to move towards and grow, grow. in.
1: That makes me think of the people that every once in a while come up to me and say, You need to preach on this. Yeah. And it's never else. somebody who goes, You know, I'm really struggling with porn. You need to preach on porn right. because I need, you know, they're always thinking about somebody else that needs to hear what they think exactly. they ought to hear.
3: Yeah. I think yeah. one thing to piggyback uh, what you're saying, Stacey, is, you know, kind of. If you could sum American culture up, it would be, you know, me centered. Like yep. American culture is life's about me. How I think about the world centers on me. I think the Bible is 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 really a call to leave that story. Like leave the story where you are the main character, and instead lose yourself in the story of Jesus, where he yep. is the main character. So that the overwhelming principle of life is not what do I want or what's good for me, but what does Jesus want, what is good for him, what brings him glory, and I'm going to lose myself in that. And so discipleship becomes, I think, the gradual process of kind of throwing off what what you think you need or what life is about from your perspective, and and instead saying, Jesus, I know you're doing something in human history— and, and I want to be a part of that. Yeah. So what does it look like for me, and, and who do I need to become, and what do I need to do in order to be part of, of your story? Whereas maybe some approaches to discipleship kind of blend the two, American culture and the Bible, so that we become the best versions of ourselves, maybe, but we are still the main character of the story. Life is still about us. We're just a better us. And that... Is a kind of self improvement, I guess. It is not actually discipleship because no. discipleship is saying life isn't about me at all. It's it's about Jesus. And
1: yeah, that's a major change in a direction of flow, mm-hmm. right? Yes. The, yeah. the, the whole river changes from flowing yeah. north to south to south to north. And that takes some doing, right? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons people ask uh, us with the reimagine vision uh, why we uh, say the first thing that someone should do right after they become a Christian is to begin to serve. Yeah. Mm. This is why. Yep. Uh, because that's the only way if 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 the flow of the river can change like Zach said and then you can become more uh where the story the main person in the story is Jesus and that's why you are coming and serving uh, then all Bible study changes. Everything changes then. Your community why you go to community group changes. You're you're not the primary you know person all the time. Uh, and that uh, is a battle that all of us will will be fighting our whole lives. Um, I know because I still fight that battle.
3: But it, But it's also where all the excitement of the Christian faith is, yeah. right? I Absolutely. mean, all of right. the excitement of the Christian faith is realizing that when the Bible says to put down yourself as yep. the center of the story and pick up Jesus, it's not calling you to a life that's less than the one you've been living, but a life that's more. You know, a life that is so much more meaningful than your own individual story. And and you know, I I, I just wish sometimes people would see that the excitement and enthusiasm that maybe is missing in their walk with Jesus is actually coming from their uh, reluctance or even refusal to allow him to be at the center of their faith. To, even when they read the Bible to say, I want to grow, but I, not so that I can just grow in and of itself, but I want to grow, Jesus, in order that you might use me, in order that you might deploy me, in order that I might be a, a part of what you're doing in Northeast Ohio and and in the world. That 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 mission is where the excitement comes from.
0: Well, that I mean, that's the only way I feel like that— is an appropriate definition of growth as opposed to a definition of growth that is simply the gathering of knowledge because right. you know the measure of a follower of Jesus is not ne- is not necessarily how much you know of the bible it's it's more how much of what you know are you obedient to in, in living out, out in
3: your life yeah, and of course, the way you see that in the New Testament is that Jesus' biggest enemies are the Pharisees who know the, the Old Bible. Testament backwards yeah. and forwards, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. so
1: what many of them had memorized well, and, most of the And there are examples where they
3: would say to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he would say, well, what do you think? And they would say, love Lord, the Lord God with all your heart, love your neighbor. And then he would go, yeah, you're right. right. I mean, they yeah. they knew they... the Bible. What they missed was the heart of God, mm-hmm. right? which was for the nations, which was to gather the nations unto, unto himself. And so they missed that mission, that missional piece. They had knowledge independent of the mission of God, and that's what made them the enemies of Jesus. They turned very
2: internal on themselves. They were for themselves and not for other people.
1: And one of the things when you read Scripture like that, uh, you find out that uh, one of the things that Jesus kept saying to the Pharisees that must have just torqued them is he kept saying, have you not read... Yeah, and they had read it hundreds of they had memorized it, but he was saying you're missing the very heart of God because you're not involved with the mission of God, and your flow is wrong. I mean, the the Pharisees you don't have to read very much of the Pharisees to realize that their flow was they were the heroes of their own stories, and they were right smack dab in the middle, and they were the ones that were the enemies of Jesus. So,
3: and I do think sometimes that people in the church, when they say to church leaders, uh, staff members, pastors, they are saying to them. I want you to help me be a better Pharisee. That, that's not what they realize they're saying. They're not literally saying that, but that's what they're, they're saying. I, I, I want to learn more, grow more, do more. And when you say, okay, but why? There is no why. <laughs> it's just, it's a circle that bends back on itself. Well, because that way I'll know more and I'll, I'll, I'll do more and I'll learn more versus saying, hey, God's on a mission and I know he wants to work in and through me to accomplish that mission. And I'm not who I need to be, or, you know, in order for him to do that. So I need to grow and I need to learn and I need to, uh, so that, to use your analogy, Joe, so that I can fix the pipes. Well, right. so, yeah, I think there, you know,
0: before we started, Zach, you mentioned the analogy of a basketball player. Like, you know, I coach basketball at the middle school in Hudson and, uh, you know, you're, there's a lot of individual skill development work that players should do and that they they do on their own time where you say, hey, you want to be. You want to become a better free throw shooter, so you need to shoot more free throws. You need to do more shooting exercises. But the point is not just so that in practice you can step up and make five free throws in a row and impress everybody. The point is when you know the game is tight and you get fouled and you go to the free throw line and your team needs you to make a free throw to win, you have the skills you possess in order to be able to Yeah, and to, and to, to think about it.
3: in the sports world, the teams we remember, whether we were a part of them or we watched them, are the teams that accomplished something, teams that won a championship. Right teams that overcame odds. We we don't look back on teams that didn't accomplish anything and go, yeah, but you remember that one guy who played power forward? Man, he was just such a really talented guy. What difference did it make? You know the the point is the accomplishment of something, and and I think the Bible makes very clear that that what God wants to accomplish is that scene in Revelation five where people from every tribe yeah. and tongue and nation are gathered around and they're singing the glory of Jesus, and, and we're saying, well. There are something like 1.5 billion people on the planet who have no access to the gospel of Jesus right now. Therefore, everything we learn and develop and sharpen about ourselves is in the pursuit of that ultimate goal. That is where we're headed. So do we need to learn more? Yeah. Do we need to become more holy? Yeah. But for a purpose, purpose, not just in a vacuum, independently of itself. I think
0: the inverse of that is true as well. You know, if you just going back to your sports analogy, like... I can remember players on the the Cavaliers team that won the NBA championship four or five years ago. Now that I would never have remembered, I w- there are moments that I would never have remembered, but for the fact that they were a part of accomplishing something immense. And I think, like you know, that speaks to the point that like uh, the point of Christianity is not that you would. Know the backward know the Bible backward and forward and have all these verses memorized and and always have an answer when somebody asks you a question about the Bible, but rather that you would be a part of something uh incredible and in a mission that is so big and so much bigger than yourself
2: so I'm not shocked that we got to basketball, but I'm gonna take it to a different <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> <and playing> basketball. <laughs> As Joe talked about the river flowing in a different direction, and as I think about how I did grow up as a Christian, and lots of people that go to our church grew up probably that same way, I often, like, instead of the river flowing a different way, just remember over and over again how much the kingdom of God is almost an upside-down kingdom. It reverses everything on its head to how we're naturally sometimes wired as human beings, which is why the Pharisees probably got to the place that they did. So all that to say is I think that as we look at... um, CCC and three, and when we look at serving being the very first step, there is something that is beautiful that is unlocked within us when we begin to just think outside of ourselves. And then again, we have the plus two and the plus three, where again we are talking about what that growth and that community can look like by being in a circle, by being in community together. So all that to say is, I think as a as someone that grew up thinking, wait, Bible study is the way to go. You know, it is that reversal and remembering that we are oftentimes wired as human beings to feel like it need growth needs to be this way. But really, it is reversed. And we've got to get outside of ourselves.
1: So and the end of discipleship is joy. Yeah. It's not pride. It's something that—and uh, I, I agree completely, Stacy. theres something that happens in, you know, Jesus says it, that uh, he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will save it. Uh, when we die uh, with Christ, we live. I mean, it, it is yeah. always the opposite. Uh, when uh, there are times in my life when uh, I have been uh, called to serve and I've gone to serve, going, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, can't somebody else should be doing this? And I uh, almost a hundred percent of the time come home with more joy than energized. when I left. Right? Yep. There's something about it. But there's still something inside of me after all these years, uh, that I don't like when I get a serving opportunity. I don't go, "Oh, you know, that's that's awesome. Right. This is going to be wait. great." Yeah. yeah, I always think, "Oh man," you know, and then uh, have to be have to confess on the way home, uh, once again that that uh, God had it right and I had it wrong.
3: Yeah, I also think one thing that's true, and and this is just a really important thing for people to understand and and. To wrestle with, if it applies to themselves, is that I think for most Christians, they don't have an information problem. It isn't their chief problem, isn't my chief problem, isn't that I don't know enough. Uh, it's that I don't live out what I already know. That That is the gap that plagues most of us. I don't mean that we can't grow in what we know or that we wouldn't benefit from doing so, but I, I mean, I think service is a good test of that. So if we say there's a CCC member who is in a couple of Bible studies but does not serve in any way at the church, another Bible study won't help them. They're already studying the Bible, but studying the Bible has not produced in them what it needs to produce, which is a heart to be like Jesus, who laid his life down for other people. So what their problem isn't that They have yet to find the Bible study, which will teach them the importance of service. Their problem is they know what the Bible says about service, but don't prefer to follow it. So what we're saying is, hey, you already know that your Savior lived out this testimony for you, that he who loses his life will gain it, and he who seeks to gain it will lose it. And he showed you that by laying his life down, not just in his death, but in the sacrificial way he lived, and then, of course, ultimately in his death. If you know that, that the reason why I'm a Christian is because Jesus humbly served me, therefore discipleship, becoming like Jesus, means living a life of humble service. If you're not there, your problem isn't a lack of information. It's a lack of obedience to the information that you have. And, and, And again, I think that's where sometimes in the church we have this idea that, one more Bible study will solve what's going on in me. When instead, I think more often than not, it's no, we, We're going to have to commit ourselves to doing and living and carrying out what we already know.
2: Well, and the the we haven't talked yet about plus three, um, which is again part of the CCC and three, and and that plus three is a little bit of kind of a mechanism to motivate each of us around this table and and people that are members of our church to be looking to be missional, to be missional and to look to those non-Christians they know, to be building relationships. So the definition of plus three, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically to, um, after you're serving, after you're in community, to then make sure that you're somewhere else in the community, whether it's coaching a team, whether it is having a book club in your neighborhood like your wife does, uh, Zach, but it's by having an opportunity and space to build relationships with others so that you can ultimately um, love them, know them, and show them Jesus.
3: Yeah, and the way I like to think about these working together is that you think about plus one, which is to serve in the ministry of the church, and then plus three, which is to be out in the community. And what what's going to happen if you're doing both of those things is what you're going to say is, wow, in order to continue to serve well, or in order to engage the people around me who have questions about Jesus, I need to grow, right? And so then you're in your circle, which is your plus two, which is where we really want to push people to grow up and in and out and, and their understanding of the Bible and how to live it out. But there's a kind of um, economy to this that that is really important, a rhythm to it that's important. I, I Life is not about me. It's about other people. So I serve. And therefore, I take that mindset to the Bible. God, don't just shape me, but through me, shape others, which drives me out into the community to to share Christ with others and I, and I think what is dangerous in the Christian life is uh, it's a little bit like going to the gym and saying I really like this exercise and I don't like this exercise And so what you end up with are you know really big biceps but really skinny legs or you're really strong but your cardio' is out of whack or you know there needs to be a holistic approach and what TCC in three, is designed to do is to make sure you're growing in your heart to serve, make sure you're growing in your heart to know Jesus and to be like Him, and to make sure you're 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 growing in your heart for the community, and so that we're not just working a few muscles, but we are developing holistically into a healthy follower of Jesus.
0: I think you know one of the things I like about CCC and three is that. Uh, it's it's so simple, but it is also customizable to any person. But even going back to your analogy of of somebody who works out, like you, it it's easy to gravitate toward the things that uh, are comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're somebody who does not often lift free weights, for example, then then it's really hard to break into lifting free weights. Or if you're somebody who's just not a runner, then probably that first time you step up on the treadmill is pretty uncomfortable but it's also probably very healthy for you to begin to do those things and you know ccc and three in the same way uh it might it's it, as as Christians maybe just speaking for myself i think the idea of engaging in a bible study is not super threatening to me but the idea of uh having non-christian friends that i am bold enough to share jesus with is extremely scary and so you know, I think uh, one of the things I like about CCC and three is it's going to push, as you said, Zach, holistic growth—not just cartoonish growth in areas where we're actually already don't already growing or don't need to grow anymore, but actually growing in the areas where uh, we need to in order to look more like what Jesus created us to be.